Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for connecting to Hope Renewed, the in-depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. I'm Tom Jameson, and along with co-host Sean Nemechek, we explore the issues and challenges pastors face and help cultivate a renewed hope for healthy ministry lives. So as we come into this very intriguing and important conversation today, I have two images in mind, Sean. First is a biblical image, uh, that of Hebrews 12, of the great cloud of witnesses that the writer of Hebrews calls upon to provide encouragement as we run the race with perseverance that's been laid before us by Christ, and how important it is to have those encouraging images and stories and voices even in our lives to run well the race that's been laid before us. Uh, And then the other image actually comes from one of my favorite Mm. movies, less biblical, and that's Cinderella Man, which is a boxing movie. And again, that same picture of how important it was to the boxer, James J. Braddock, to have someone in his corner, to, to have his coach in the corner, to have his team in the corner, just to urge him on and help him to persevere and to push on and to give his all and to know that he could always come back to the corner and be received and be cared for and be guided and watched over. And that's what we're talking about today how to be an encouragement and to be a champion for your pastor. And it's such a joy to welcome our good friends, Robin and Larry Schmidt, to talk with us about that. Yeah, Tom, if you remember uh, earlier this season, we had Pastor Mike Gore on. He was talking about shame in the pastor. And uh, he mentioned that his happy place is Wrigley Field. And I join him in that. Wrigley Field's a, a happy place. But for him, his safe place was the home of Larry and Robin Schmidt, and uh, we just thought it would be great to have them on and uh, to ask them to, to share with us uh, how that's so. So let me just introduce them to you a little bit. Larry manages an aftermarket auto parts store, and Robin works with us at uh, PIR as an administrative assistant. They worship with the Body of Christ at Mercy Road Church in Redford, Michigan. Uh, that's been their home uh, for 30 years, where, it's where they raise their kids. Uh, and uh, where they enjoy visits from their three grandchildren. Larry and Robin met at Eastern Michigan University over a shared laugh in the dining commons, and they've been laughing ever since for 39 years of marriage. Uh, Larry and Robin, welcome to Hope Renewed. Thank you. Thanks. Good to be here, guys. Well, it's so wonderful to have you both here. I've, I've been really anticipating this conversation because it takes us in a little different direction or gives a little different view as we talk with you who, if I can say, are not uh, just, but you are church members rather than in the pastoral role. And there are no long lines of letters after your names that make you experts in this field, but rather it's something that God has developed in your heart and given you opportunity to express. So you've had these opportunities to be in some very helpful and even healing relationships with pastors. Share with us a little bit of your experience with this, and where did this come from, this this heart for loving pastors and being safe people for them? Well, I would say it started with us. First of all, we're lover of people, and I think that's the key is, is being lovers of people. But also, when we first got together at Eastern Michigan, we had a lot of friends who went into the pastorate. And so we saw that our friends were going into the pastorate. We thought maybe I would as well, but uh, it wasn't for me. And so my mentor, uh, he, uh, who was a pastor, um, he said to me, he said, you know, Larry, what the pastorate needs is, is a champion, somebody who will come along with them and be the super parishioner, as it were. And I didn't know what that looked like at the time. That was 40 years ago. And so I kept that in the back of my head. We did not pursue an MDiv like all my friends did. But we watched as they went into the pastorate and the struggles and the times that were hard. And those were our friends. So we automatically had a link to them that uh, gave us the opportunity to minister to them because we already had a transparent and safe relationship with them. I think that... um like Larry said, knowing people that were going into the pastorate at such a young age and in our marriage, we, we understood that they were just people. 
they weren't they weren't super people they weren't special people they were people who had a calling and they were people who were specially trained but but they were just people and so we didn't have this aura of the pastor you know which i think puts a puts a gap between you and people if somebody's looking at you like ooh you're the whatever that's that there's a gulf there then that you're unapproachable or you're not you're not real or you might be different than me you might not have the same needs that i have yeah i think that's a really good way that we started out right yeah and has it always been that way? I mean, it, it sounds like as a young married couple, as you started your life in the church, that this was a perspective you brought with you. The gentleman I had mentioned about uh, who mentored me, who was the pastor, he was a youth pastor at the church that we attended in college. Shortly after we got married, we still attended that church. And, and he, he mentored us and Quite honestly, after a Sunday service, we would go and lay on his living room floor and eat pizza and talk about life. And he trained me up on how to be a husband and his wife would be in the kitchen and Robin would be listening to him. But we had conversations that went both ways, two ways. Uh, my mentor would look at me and he said, Larry, what do you think about this or that? You know, and, and realizing that pastors didn't have all the answers or at least wanted had maybe some of the answers, but wanted to have a sounding board, somebody that they could, uh, you know, play it off of. And at that time, I was a young believer, didn't have a ton of spiritual background, but my mentor valued my, valued my opinion. And so for that, it was a give and take. And that was early on. And, uh, and we just, every church we went to, you know, we didn't seek these relationships out. We really didn't, but we, uh, for some reason, it just ended up that way. Well, for some reason, uh, Larry is water and he mixes with everybody. He has a great sense of humor. Uh, it's what attracted me to him in the first place. And, and he just gets along with anyone. And so he's an easy person to talk to. He's an easy person to get along with. Humor is very disarming. Humor is really important in our lives. We're able to laugh at ourselves. Um, so but the, the example of the, the two people that really took us under their wing at the beginning of our marriage was such a relaxed and welcoming hospitality that that's just what we saw. It was like, come on over after Sunday evening. We're going to have pizza. We're going to have peanut butter and apples, and we're just going to talk about life. And we talked and we laughed, and there was a lot of they, they didn't recognize it at the time as all the wisdom and the huge impact that they ended up having. And we love uh, pointing that out to them now, 39 years down the road, because they're just like, really? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we took that part. Like, wow, glad it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the ways that you've been able to encourage these pastors and friends of yours? Uh, one of the ways I think is just by being a friend um, by by understanding their position um, by by welcoming them into our lives uh, you know that's that's a kind of a goofy thing to say because I don't want to give the impression pastors don't necessarily need a million more friends when they come into a church right he or she already has a core group of friends and they're coming in and they've got to get to know the entire congregation. And so, you know, you don't want to say, oh, you should just go and be friends with the pastor. But I think, I think being able to, to, like Larry said earlier, just come alongside and say, Hey, what do you, what do you need? Do you need anything? Um, in personal life, but also just in ministry, yeah. you know, like what, what do you, what do you got going on? What do you, do you need somebody to do something? I'm here. Um, you know, more recently, you know, when we got a new pastor at the church, not, not the one we're attending now, but the one that was plant that planted the church we're attending now, when that new pastor came in, I was actually working at the church. And one of the things that we made a point of saying to, to that new pastor was, Hey, we're here to be supportive. So we understand that coming into a new church, you're going to be trying to figure out who we are and what God has for everybody. And we're just going to be supportive of what you do. We're going to come, we're just going to stand next to you. So, you know, unless you come up with something crazy, 
we're just going to be supportive. Right. And I think, I think the, the important part is that being the safe place, um, you got to work up to a, a relationship where they trust you because um, they don't, I will say, as I was reviewing our past history, we haven't, you know, they don't come to us with deep, heavy um, uh, stuff that's going on in the church and want us to help them resolve it. What they do is they just come with, you know, struggles they're having with their kids or the struggles they're having, things that would cause people to go, huh, that's kind of odd, but um, they're struggling with that. And he's so close to Jesus. And, you know, we just know that, you know, children are tough to raise. Um, pets get hit by cars and they need friends and people that can come alongside them and say, yeah, I, I understand it's tough. Uh, and then no, they have to know that we're not going to go to some other people in the church and, and say, Hey, listen, you know, pastor struggling over this. Let's gossip about it for a minute. Yeah. There's a gossip. Oh, there's no, Hey, we need to pray for the pastor because, you know, <laughs> you know, suffering from whatever. And, you know, Sean, you introduced our relationship to Mike Gore, and it, it's important to point out that's a 20-year-old relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, we've known Mike and his family for a very, very long time, and this, this closeness uh, developed over time. And, mm-hmm. and that's the reality, too. It's just like any other friendship. It requires time. But I guess the big, the big thing is, is that uh, while we respect their position, we don't hold them in just absolute awe that uh, they are the pastor and they are almost unapproachable. And in some people, in some people's mind, they are akin to the the, the link between them and God. And, and we, we just see them as people and as friends. We, we allow them to try things out on us. I mean, we'll have, we've had pastors had discussions with us and they just, listen, I've got this radical idea about this particular verse or this particular scripture or uh, this particular situation, and they're allowed to spitball. And, you know, if we push back, they will take our consideration. If, if the, you know, we don't necessarily want to change their minds, but we they get a place to bounce things off of. No doubt that that just takes time, though, to develop that, that kind of relationship. It really does. And I think the other thing that makes people feel safe around us is a lack of expectations. Right. We don't view the people that come into the pastor position of the body of Christ that we're worshiping with as people that are supposed to make that whole church run. We have a really good understanding that the role of a pastor is for him or her to equip the rest of us to be doing the work of the ministry. And so we don't think, oh, you know, she's going to come in and have all these great ideas and everything's going to turn around or he's going to come in and, you know, he's going to do X, Y and Z and everything's going to be different. It's more like, well, they're going to come in and we're going to find out how we're supposed to be walking with Jesus and how we're supposed to be sharing. And they're going to nudge us to get out there and, uh, you know, be God's ambassadors. And so. So we're prepared for that. Like, meet a pastor, we're prepared for them to go, well, what can I do to help you share your faith better? What can I do to help you, whatever, uh, learn how to lead? Larry's had great opportunities. What can I do, Larry? Uh, when our daughter, our first, our oldest daughter got married, uh, when Larry did his, um, father of the bride like toast at the rehearsal there were three friends of ours who were all pastors and they had never seen Larry speak before now I knew Larry could speak very well of course they all knew he was funny but I knew what his background was and it didn't surprise me when he got up there and just slayed everybody with his you know his little speech that he had prepared and he had them laughing and he had us emotional and he had all the things and they all looked at each other and went what if this dude could preach (laughs) they started developing him like hey larry you know can you give a message and he's had a lot of opportunities to do that and that and after he started doing it we did one together and they went oh robin can do that too so both of us have had the opportunity but but that's 
those people developing in us the ability to present God's word to the body of Christ and knowing us well enough to trust us to do that with the people they're responsible for. Um, but we were willing to be stretched that way. Well, just as a sidebar, I love how God in his wisdom and kindness said no to the professional ministry track for you, but absolutely yes to the ministry track of life and how instructive that is for us. And I think it goes to what you're saying, too, that ministry isn't just for the professionals. It's not just for those that we call pastor. And we all need to realize that because I think deep down in their hearts, most pastors want people to understand that and to relate to them from that perspective, that who I am is not defined by what I do, who I am is who God has made me to be. We, we all have that cry in our heart, don't we? You know, please love me for me, for who I am. Right. Tom, one of the other things that um, I think is important is recognizing that even though pastors aren't quote unquote special, you know, people, they do have some special needs. Um, they do have needs for getting away from the ministry. Uh, you know, it comes down to expectations again. I don't expect you to work 24-7. Um, but, but a pastoral position, you know, sometimes that's kind of how it works out because the hospital emergencies don't come between nine and five. And, and so we understand their need for really respected boundaries of time off or time away, or that you know, we're not offended by the fact that they need to get away from the body in order to rejuvenate and, you know, renew. So, so yeah, I think, I think that's a pretty big key to it. You know, as, as you're talking, I'm just kind of hearing the, the freedom um, to, to not have a one-way relationship that some pastors really feel like they've got. Um, I heard one pastor describe it. It's kind of like being, the genie in, in Aladdin, poof, what do you need? Poof, what do you need? Poof, what do you, all the time, you know? Uh, and it sounds like you guys are creating a space where the pastor can share their needs with you and you minister to them uh, in kind of a give and take relationship. Is, is that accurate? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, looking at uh, recent past, you know, they will come to us and say, hey, what do you think if I took two weeks off and, you know, how would that go? I, I want to... I'm an elder at our church currently, so he, he's talking to me as a capacity as an elder, but also as a friend. He tends to bounce things off me first and kind of take a temperature. And then, uh, but typically I've never said no, or, you know, I think you're out in left field. But, you know, if he's got a need, um, we need to help them fulfill that need. They have a real propensity to overwork. And, uh, you know, we all joke and it's a coarse joke about I'm only working an hour and a half on Sunday. And uh, Rob and I have had tastes in the past of having the reins of the church for a week or two. And I got to tell you, it's a, it, heavy it's, it's a big load. And if you once you get a hold of that for even just the couple of weeks that we've done it, um, you, you've come to realize that those guys, they just don't have a, a, a eight to five Monday through Friday type of event like I do. And it, it, oh, it's, it's, it's tough. A, it's emotional. You know, they've got people that are hurting, people that are needy, um, people whose needs they can't meet, but there they are. And they've got to come alongside of them. And yeah, it's a, it's a, so, you know, for the health of the people that we've been, been friends with, we've always encouraged them. Listen, you've got to take time away. You've got to make sure you're getting you know, your Sabbath, you've got to make sure you're getting vacation time, you've got to make sure you've got time just to get away and study or do whatever you have to do. And, and in order for them to be able to do that, they have to be able to have trusted and shared with many different people, the responsibilities that they would have to hand over for the time they're away. And that's not just one person that ends up, be, you know, so now you see, Oh, look, it took 12 people to cover for pastor this week. <laughs> and well, that should tell you something, right? But yeah, we, um, our, our pastors at, at our church currently have just, are just coming off of a several week break that they both needed. And uh, 
a lot of that has come out of what we've all been going through, two years of pandemic. And just the burden that that has been of, of decision-making and conflict and how do we gather and should we gather and should, boy, I really want to reach people for Jesus, but if I get them all in a room together, am I going to kill some of them, you know? Um, that's exhausting. And so, so they, have, they have taken some time off around the holidays to be with family, to be alone, to rejuvenate. And that meant that there needed to be guest speakers. That meant that there needed to be worship leaders to come step in. That meant that there had to be people to take over pastoral prayer and announcements on Sunday mornings. That meant all the tech stuff had to go good. And that meant there had to be people available to take prayer requests or to hear if there were emergencies. And as we've, you know, been part of the core group that has, has, has given the pastors the freedom to do that, we've all recognized that's a lot. That's a huge, you know, and, and add to that the hours and hours of study required in order to bring a message from God every week. Yeah, I, I, I'm just... Um... I'm recognizing just as you're talking that there are a lot of pastors out there um, who feel like there's an expectation on them that they can't have needs or they can't express their needs. And you guys are talking about killing some of those expectations. Uh, what do you do to help the congregation kill the expectations on the pastor? And, and what are some of those expectations that need to die? One of the biggest expectations, and of course, this isn't across the board, but most of the pastors that we've been friends with have been men and huge expectations on their wives. Right. And let me tell you, because someone has been called to seminary and called to be a pastor does not mean that their spouse is called to be the co-pastor. Now mm -hmm. that is true for many couples and that's exciting, but that's not true for most of the friends that we have. Um, we do have pastor friends that are, that are women. And for the most part, it seems like a lot of the women are single or get married later. So they've already been a pastor once they get married. So it's a little different for their spouse, but boy, for the women who married their husband, cause they thought he was a great guy. And then God called him to this position. The expectations that a church can bring on them are crushing. Mm -hmm. They just, you know, we want you to come in and take care of all the women and all the children. And we expect all the, you know, you're going to bring a lot of kids into this church and you're going to take over these, you know, various areas. And, you know, these are human beings that have other interests, possibly other jobs. Uh, sure, they're part of the church. They're part of the body of Christ, but they're not half of the job description. See, and I think that's the problem, too, is, is that people come in with a preconceived notion of what, A, the job description is of a pastor, and then the job description of the pastor's wife, and the, and the, the expectations of the pastor's family. Um, and the problem is, is that we can, we can create this giant list of expectations. They're never written down. They're never expected as far as from an elder's point of view. But the congregation, if there's 200 people, there's 200 different expectations. And they can get very broad and they can get very unspoken. And then all of a sudden they become spoken in a corner somewhere. Well, you know, she doesn't do this. And that becomes that begins a seed of discontent. Yeah. And where when Robin and I have seen that, what we do is we gently and cautiously encourage people to think about what they're saying. And let's let's look at what their role really is as a as a pastor spouse or as a pastor. The big thing about a pastor and the thing that people don't understand is it's to equip the, the saints. Everybody thinks the pastor should be available 24 seven. Mm -hmm. I'm in the hospital. I have a hangnail. It's really hurting me. I need you here now. Uh, but there needs to be some kind of understanding that he's a person as well. You know, he's got kids who are playing t-ball and he's, you know, yeah. He needs to have family time. Larry's Larry's gentle. I'm blunt. She is. <laughs> I'm blunt when when people, you know, I made the mistake one day of introducing someone. It was a, you know, one of the spouses of one of the pastors. 
And I happened to introduce her as the pastor's wife. And this is a long time ago. And she was like, that's not my, my title. I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. And so back then I started rethinking and, and became quite the champion for, for the women who were, were married to the men who were serving the churches we were at. And, and I've been very blunt about um, that. That is not an appropriate expectation. She doesn't have to do that. She, you know, and, and, and been very encouraging to the men. You just, you do not need to apologize, never apologize. Thank you. That's very nice of you to wonder if she would like to do that. She would not, but I appreciate you giving her that opportunity mm-hmm. and do not apologize. No, I'm sorry. My wife doesn't. No, 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 no. You don't have to apologize for who she is. She's allowed to be who she is. God made her and we need to accept that. It, you know, it's, it's, it's love, right? Yeah. Are you willing to, are you willing to welcome people who, who are people that you don't know yet, that you have to get to know, find out who God made them to be and, and, and accept that, accept who they are. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're, you're almost uh, helping the pastor and his family to reinforce their own boundaries within the church and just respecting that and allowing them to choose them for themselves. Well, and it, it goes two ways in that we help them respect their boundaries, but we also help them to set their boundaries sometimes. If we start to see a friend or a, a, a pastor who's, you know, kind of struggling with boundaries, you know, we might say, hey, how, you know, how's that Sabbath going? You were doing that Sabbath every so-and-so. Well, you know, I've kind of got away from that. Well, you know, it's a good thing to do. And, uh, you know, sometimes we just give them permission to be who they are and take the things that they need. They, they, they feel it. Well, you know, a lot of them are under a board of elders and they're concerned about what the, that board of elders is thinking. And then the, then the congregation as a whole, there's a lot of concern about the expectations and thinking of people that they can come up with all kinds of things. Yeah. You probably have never met any pastors that are people pleasers, right? Only when I looked in the mirror. Yeah. (laughs) So, but the only reason we can help them, uh, enforce boundaries is because we learned the hard way myself. I didn't know what boundaries were, you know, and I understand that feeling of being responsible for everything I see. And as I, it's so much easier to apply that to someone else's life. Let me help you understand you're not responsible for everything you see. Uh, Harder to apply to my own life. But like Larry said, there's that mutual encouragement going on, you know, well, there's, we're, there's, we're able to be vulnerable too. Right. And I was just going to say that this is a mutual respect. And, and you know, and there's been times when I've been at odds with one of my friends who was a pastor and, and we've gone down a road together and I was on one side, he's on the other. And he's looking at me going, well, I think I'll try it your way, Larry. And it fails miserably. And then I come to realize that I was giving him bad advice. It's okay for me to look at him and say, Hey, pastor, I'm sorry. I was wrong. And likewise, when, you know, we go down a path and I was right and he was wrong and it's happened. They look at me and go, you know, Larry, when we were talking about this stuff in your driveway, uh, you were right. I was wrong. I'm certainly glad that we did it your way. And so there's this give and take this. We're in a relationship together, not that he's over me or I'm over him. Uh, We're on this path together. We're on this train together. We're trying to um, bring stumbling forward to Jesus yes, together. Right. <laughs> Just like, and, and that's what, I guess it goes to expectations again, right? We don't expect um, a pastor to be a fully formed and perfect saint. I mean, Paul was responsible for most of the New Testament. He's like, yeah, I haven't achieved all this. So certainly my, my pastor, the leaders that come to us are, are not going to have achieved, you know, spiritual completion. So we're stumbling together. So if you if you look at it as a as a joint journey, that's that's I don't know. It's just more comfortable, right? Well, it seems to me that there's a real freedom in that as well. That as a pastor navigates the myriad of expectations, you've mentioned a few, but but all the expectations, false expectations that are there. Uh, to have that freedom just to voice the expectation right. 
to say, boy, it, it really feels like I need to be on call 24-7 to someone who will, in love, say, no, that's wrong. Uh, we need to root that one out of you. Or uh, lovingly to ask, well, why is it that you feel that way? Is that a reasonable thing to be thinking? How have you seen the impact of being a champion for a pastor on how the pastor approaches ministry? Um, I, I don't know that there's anything that you can quantify, right? Other than the fact, the reason we're having this conversation, I will use his name, Mike Gore, is one who has openly said that we've been a, a ministry to him. And um, we, we didn't set out to be a ministry to him. We didn't set out to be a ministry to any of the other pastors. Um, but surely the, the problem is, is that they don't have, it's not necessarily being a champion. It's just being able to walk next to him. Back when we were first starting out at, at uh, Eastern Michigan, um, our friends were becoming pastors. And one of the, one of the things that we got uh, from someone was said, don't go to the same church that your friends are pastors at because they need people that, that, uh, that they can bounce off of who's not in the congregation. And so we heeded that for a couple of years. And then our friends begged us, please come to our church. It's a great church. <laughs> Uh, but we said, we want to be your friends. Well, you can be our friends at this church. And that kind of laid the groundwork and the path to, okay, we can be in the congregation. And they were difficult, difficult times. And we were able to ride along with them and, and be their friends first. And that kind of like showed us. Yeah, we knew that we knew there was a need to have a safe place, right? And we thought you had to be outside of the body of Christ that they were ministering in. To be that safe place and when that when that stopped being the case we had to figure out how to be that safe place uh in the body of christ now i'm not going to say that larry and i sat down and said well now that we're at the same church as our friends from college how do you think we can be that safe place but but as we went along we recognized that that you had to be careful what you said mm -hmm. you know we have to be careful about what comes out of our mouths and we don't recognize I don't know that the American church recognizes gossip. I don't know that we recognize that even things that are pleasant can be harmful. Um, we have to be really careful. And so sometimes it's just better to keep your mouth shut. Now that's a bigger challenge for me. Um, I tend to talk quite a lot. But, but I will say she has a very good barometer about what is, what is not to be spoken about. Yeah. I mean, we get, we, we don't, like I said, we don't get the juicy, juicy details, but we get enough of the, the, the strife they're going through that we know that there are things that just bear not be repeat, repeated right. to anybody. Right. And, and, and so if somebody asks, you just deflect. And if you hear people talking about things, you know, we, we're just like, hey, that's, that's not appropriate. Or we'll say something like, you know, if you have a real question about this, you need to go back to the person who is involved in this. Right. You know, that's one of the things that's so destructive is when people sit in the corner and they kind of whisper in the corners. Um, it's very important. And that's how I encourage people to get to the grassroots of something that I believe that they have an honest you know, re responsibility to know. Go to the pertinent individuals. Yeah. Stop talking to the tertiary people. Go to the the, the mainliners. Yeah. These are the people who are directly involved. I don't want to hear about it over here in Sunday school class. Yeah. You need to make a time to make a meeting this to go is, with those people. Yeah, this is just healthy behavior, right? Mm -hmm. You talk directly to a person you have a concern with. You, and so you don't let the fact that they're a pastor keep you from behaving healthy with them. Hey, I have a question, or hey, that hurt my feelings, or hey, whatever. You go directly to that person, not, you know, when they said that, that kind of hurt my feelings. No, you don't go directly to the person. You work it out. I was just going to say, last year uh, we interviewed Steve Cuss, and um, he talks about leadership anxiety. One of my favorite phrases from him is when he, he gets somebody who uh, comes to the pastor and says, you know, some people are saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that phrase just drives pastors nuts. And he says, he, he calls them an invisible mob right. uh, or, a, or a silent mob sometimes. Yeah. Um, and uh, it sounds to me like what you guys are doing is just putting an end to that type of conversation on the grassroots level, uh, which is so needed. 
it's, I, it's hard. I will say that we are blessed in our current situation that uh, we don't, I don't know that we have a great deal of that. I will say that our current situation and, and what I said to our congregation the other day is, is that um, Mike and Josh have been preaching to us about Jesus and steering us towards Jesus and how Jesus behaved. And, and, and our congregation just constantly staring at who Jesus was and, and how to respond, I think is mature beyond their years uh, as far as um, that inter that relationship situation. I don't sense that. There have been past situations where that has not been the case at different yeah, churches. We've, we've seen we've seen a fair amount of conflict. And if you're at a, a larger church, a medium-sized church, there's no way that you can stem that. The only thing you can do is continue to do the right thing, right? Anyone you have a conversation with, um, I'm not sure that's the best way to approach that. We should, you know, maybe you should reconsider what you're thinking or saying there. But but we've seen and and we've experienced great hurt from conflict within church. And and we've seen a church explode and and it was so painful. Um, and people that we were close to went in every single direction. Again, you know, Larry's water, he gets along with everybody. So we didn't see, you know our faction was over here and that faction was over there. We had people in all the factions. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes we just behave like people, right? Not like Jesus's people and, and we hurt each other. Um, but even in that circumstance, we did the best we could to be honest with our pastor to, when we had to take a break from that church for a while, because frankly, I was in so much pain. We went directly to him and said, we love you, but here's where we're at. We're not going to sneak out. We're not going to slam the door, but, but we got to go for a while. And, you know, as a result, when we came back, we were welcomed. Mm. And, and so, yeah, I mean, there, there's no, just like the pastor can't take responsibility for all the things, you know, we can't take responsibility for the whole body of Christ behaving properly. Um, but you just, you know, I, you just keep walking with Jesus and trying to do the right thing. Well, the word that comes to my mind is modeling. You're not necessarily going to be able to root out attitudes or behaviors, especially the larger a congregation gets, but, but to get that faithful walking, modeling, uh, loving. Uh, the other word that comes to mind is respect. Uh, in terms of respecting a pastor's personhood as a as opposed to, I've got to respect you because you're the pastor, mm -hmm. but respecting the one God has called to serve, yes, in a significant position, but recognizing we're all called to serve in significant positions, they, they just look different. And, and loving the person in that position, uh, to me, that just feels so powerful in what you're talking about. Not, not easy, not automatic, not something everyone's going to embrace, but certainly very powerful. Yeah, it, it, you're right, Tom. It's respecting the personhood. And so, you know, from that sense, Larry and I don't go in expecting that every pastor we ever have is going to be our closest friend. That's not fair. That's not a fair expectation. And we don't go in cultivating that either. So, you know, we... We're okay. Although I will say that probably 90% of the pastors we've been under have been our friends. But I... I think there's a, a common drawing there too, because um, they so badly want to have people that they can bounce ideas off of and not have judgment, right? Mm, yeah. And it's very apparent uh, talking to Robin and I that we tend to listen real well and then give good answers or say, I don't know. And they, that's what they're looking for. And they do have friends. Uh, outside the church that they can look to. But when there's somebody that's in the center of it all um, and they can say, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? Eh, you know, I, I don't know. That seems like the third rail. I'm not sure I would touch that this week. Let's go six months. Then you chew on that and you go back and forth and then, you know, they will take it or not. And then you don't feel hurt if they don't. Um, but you know that, you know, they trust your opinion and then you don't go talk about it. But, you know, he's thinking about talking about giving this week. No, <laughs> no you don't do that. It's uh, it's funny. I had one pastor who every week would run up and hand me his uh, sermon or give me a sermon in a 
I'm so excited. I'm so excited, Larry. This is what I'm speaking on. And I hear the whole sermon in a classroom somewhere. And then I, uh, Sunday, I, I had nothing to listen to. But he forced me enough to, to give me his sermon 15 minutes before he's supposed to get it. I go, you know, I'm not sure that this is the way I do. You know, I think you're right, Larry. I think you're right. I'll change that or he doesn't. And, you know, to have that kind of uh, a person in your congregation that you can trust enough to say, hey, I'm going to share with you my heart of all the stuff I've been studying all week. And that happens with Robin as well. She gets a lot of manuscripts from uh, pastors that say, hey, can you just look this over and make sure that- Is there anything confusing? Is there anything that yeah. raises and, a question? Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's that kind of give and take. And I know for myself, I'm not a spiritual giant, not as big as Robin, but but we- <laughs> But we have a spiritual bend to us that allows us, we understand the importance of unity in the church. We understand the importance of being a safe place and of being, you know, don't talk about what you talk to the pastor about. Don't even tell people that you have these special conversations with the pastor. You don't, you just don't do that. Um, people will become jealous and, and that's just who they are. So I, I got to say, you two are uh, are like heroes to me because this just what you're talking about. Um, I think is so needed in so many churches today. Um, just people who will be a friend to their human pastor. <laughs> um, so, what would you say to to people in in other churches about? how they can love their pastor and become a safe place for them. Well, I think it's, it's, it's difficult because it's a unique personality quality that I don't know that you can necessarily. Right. But, but, but here's the thing, right? So, so we've all, we're all in a church, right? Everybody's worshiping with the body of Christ somewhere. So, so you start asking yourself the question, what, what is it I expect? What do I expect from a pastor? And, you know, write it down and then look at it and go, God, is this, is this valid? Should I expect things or should I not expect these things? Um, I think, I think if we, you know, what's funny, I think, I think we don't really trust the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> and, and so I would say that you need to talk to God and go, how am I doing here? Am I being supportive of my pastor? Maybe I don't like what's going on here. Or maybe sometimes he or she rubs me wrong. How do I deal with that, Lord? What, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live in light of that? And, and I, think, I think that's what we should do. I think we should go back to God and just be like, hey, I, I, and, and be intentional about thinking, right? Thinking it through. I'm upset. Why am I upset? Well, I'm not going to go talk about it with a bunch of people, but I can talk about it with the Lord. And, you know, I can talk about it out loud and I can write it down and I can think it through and I can be patient and wait and listen for the Lord to talk to me and say, yeah, I really think you're off base there, sweetheart. You, you need to check your attitude. Um, I, think, I, think, I think we need to think. I think we need to be intentional. And I think we need to remember that the most important thing we're called to is love. We were created to be in relationship with God. He told us that's what eternal life is, knowing him, and knowing Jesus. And, and as a result of being in that relationship with him, I'm going to have his love in me that I'm going to be able to express to others. And, and that is expressed through patience and kindness and gentleness. And we got to walk with him and we got to trust him and we got to take our stuff to him. You know, the, the thing when you guys presented this opportunity to us, the thing I was thinking about is what was unique about our relationships to pastors. And what it what it boiled down to was it's not that it's a unique relationship with pastors. It's unique relationships with each other, everybody. We need to uh, treat everyone that we come in contact with, with that love, that understanding, that unity, that ability to disagree and not be angry at one another or think that the other one's just totally out of whack, give that person some space, think about it like Robin, pray about it. Um, but I, I, I just, I don't, I don't think this is, um, these are steps that are totally for the pastor. I think this is a, a road that how we should relate to everyone, one another in our congregation. If we're looking for a bunch of people to 
to hoist up and hold pastors, that's a great thing. It's an important thing. It's a necessary thing. But I think the overall overriding message should be that we should love one another, treat one another with kindness, be respectful of one another's, um, you know, be a safe place for every person who comes into your home or into your contact. And that's always been kind of Robin's eyes sweet spot is, you know, people can tell us deep, dark secrets and they know this is going to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. Because we know that they're not any different than anybody else. We have all the same deep, dark secrets. And it's good to be able to go up to somebody and say, you know, I've got this deep, dark secret and I, I want to share it with you. And you know that it's going to be it's safe. Good. You're not alone. Yeah. Oh, so healthy and yet so rare to find that opportunity. I, 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 I'm picturing people in my mind at, uh, at the churches, and I don't know what the relationship is with the pastors who I, I'm picturing, but I, I suspect that ours is not as unique as we might make out. There are people who are friends, elders. I know there are some elder boards and some elder men who have been with pastors and I know they've talked fondly of them and have had good relationships. So I don't know that we're as much an anomaly as uh, as we might think. Um, they're out there. And uh, as my friend said, as my mentor said, he said, you know, Larry, you may not be cut out for seminary, but by golly, you could be the strongest parishioner that uh, that a pastor could have, a champion for that man. And, you know, he prayed for me in that area, and that's where we're yeah. at. Well, as we wrap up this conversation, I think what has impacted me most is just the, the call to make this the standard operating procedure of how we live our lives. I, I think there's something in the Bible about this, <laughs> loving others and being kind and Christ-like. Um, but what I'm hearing is for a pastor just to know there is someone who gets it, who understands what the, the weight of the call to serve as pastor really requires. Someone who says, I'm for you. Um, I'm not just going to look for the bits that I can use against you, or it's not just us against you kind of thing. And, and then finally, that safe place, I think that we all long for. Uh, to know that I can truly, authentically be who I am, or at least I can begin to discover more of who I am through authentic conversations and sharing. Well, and, and, and there it is, right? It, you're not going to be vulnerable with everyone. Even if you have a congregation of 40, you're not going to tell all 40 people all the things. But if all 40 people work to be people who love and are safe, then the pastor has a choice of the people that he actually clicks with that, look, I just have an entire congregation of safe people. I can get to know these people better and it's going to be okay. Yeah, I think that should be our goal. I think everybody should be a safe place because everybody needs a safe place. So I'm just picturing Jesus saying, love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And we're responding, who's my neighbor? And he tells us a story about a pastor who's been beaten up by criticism, by high expectations, um, by a previous church. And you and others are coming alongside and saying, here's, here's someone made in the image of God, a human being just like me who needs help and who needs love and support. And you're just doing what Jesus is commanding you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And to see our pastor as our neighbor might be a radical thing in some churches. Might be. Well, and that, and that's, and that is, so now just the shameless plug, that's why Robin is so in tune with PIR and their ministry. Um, her heart and our hearts are for, for the, the broken men who've been dismissed or had exits. And we know the stories. We've been we've been friends with people who've had many exits. We've we've been friends with pastors who we knew after they've left the church. Mm-hmm. You know, first first church out of seminary, chewed them up, spit them out, and we met them in a in a secular job. And you're just your heart just breaks. Like mm-hmm. wow, you went through all of that, and you're this great person. And and we're so sorry that you're not serving in that way anymore, and that. Yeah, so so we've seen a lot of that, and so it's not that we've saved any of the pastors, or but we we just try to be a safe place and a place where they can come to and, like I say, spitball, throw some ideas off us, no matter how crazy they are. Just, just tell us what they're struggling with a little bit, you know, 
personally and things. And yeah, it's it's just just be friends. Yeah. Just be friends. Friends and you know, friends play. Yeah. Friends laugh. Yeah. And friends have heart to hearts and friends pray for each other. We've certainly done all that's of that. What you do. Yeah, we've done all that. So if you could speak directly to pastors and their families, um, what words of hope would you like to offer them today? Well, Jesus is good. <laughs> And he has called you to a place where there's a bunch of his broken sheep. When people are broken and wounded, you know, you see an animal that's wounded there, they can be snappy. And, and it's okay. Find, find the people that aren't snapping. And, uh, and, and don't be afraid to let your guard down. But also put your boundaries in place. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. You know, they, they, that's, that is, that is one thing that we've, we've harped on a lot, a lot with, with our pastor friends is you have got to put your family first. There's nobody else loving your spouse. There's nobody else raising your kids. And, and that's your first priority. And, you know, the rest of this, these folks are, are out here too, but there's just hope. There's hope in God, you know, there's healing that he provides. I don't know how you would identify the people, but I, like I said, I was trying to picture in my mind's eye other pastors who had other friends in the church, and they're there. Um, there comes a point where you kind of have to just let your guard down a little bit and see if you know you got a safe friend there. Well, Larry and Robin, we have so appreciated your sharing your hearts and, and your stories and your insights. And again, we pray this would be an encouragement to those who come around pastors who have the opportunity to be the kind of people who will serve the Lord by serving his servants. So thanks again for being with us today. All right, thanks so much. much. Thank you guys. And as always, we invite you, our listeners, to rate and review Hope Renewed in iTunes or your favorite podcast app and to share this podcast with your friends on social media. It's a great way to help us continue to bring hope to others. Thanks for joining us today. It is our prayer that the God of hope may fill you with all joy and peace. PIR Ministries partners with God and the church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration to cultivate new hope for healthy ministry lives. You can learn more about us at our webpage, pirministries.org, or email us at info at pirministries.org. Thanks for joining us for Hope Renewed, and remember, the hope Christ offers will never put us to shame.